0: I think we have set the bar as to what an all female executive team looks like and what we can do, not when given a chance, but sometimes having to make your own opportunity. I'm Carly Zakin, and I'm Danielle Weisberg.
1: Welcome to 9 to 5 ish with the skin.
2: Edie Butler. She is the master blender at Uncle Nearest Whiskey, which makes her the first black female master blender of whiskey in this country. But Victoria's path to the liquor business wasn't exactly a straight line. She became a master blender after spending over 30 years in a totally different arena, law enforcement and intelligence. Victoria, we're so excited to have you on. Welcome to 9 to 5-ish.
0: Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate the opportunity.
1: So before we jump in, we love to start all of these conversations with a quick lightning round. So quick answers, sorry, quick questions, quick answers. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So I have to ask, what is your go-to
0: cocktail? What do you order? Oh, I like a side card made with Uncle Nearest. That is my favorite.
2: I feel I like it. in the in the new role, you have to say that, but...
0: <laughs> It's like, how do we get there? I'm I'm not embellishing. Uncle Nears is the only whiskey I drink, of course. I didn't drink a lot of cocktails prior to coming into the spirits industry. I would drink, but it would be maybe a whiskey and a splash of ginger ale. That's not a cocktail. So so that's it.
2: What's your favorite food to pair with whiskey? What goes really well?
0: Uh, Everything goes well with it. But my favorite is probably chicken wings. I like chips and dip, but I don't, I don't really eat and drink. I'll have a cocktail maybe before dinner. I'll enjoy my dinner and then have a cocktail afterwards. I like your
1: style. Okay, what is, you know, prior to this role, you spent a, a lengthy career um, in law enforcement. What is your favorite legal show, like touching on law enforcement, which any specific franchise? I like them all. You know, Victoria, I know we're going to get along now. We do, too. We do, too. (laughs) I do. I like them all. What is one thing that you really miss about your old desk job?
0: I miss the people. Some of the people that I had the pleasure of working with more than anything. You know, the law enforcement community, much like the spirits industry, is like a big fraternity or sorority. There's a, a beautiful camaraderie. So I, I miss some of the people that I talk with on a daily basis that I don't do that anymore.
2: Okay, let's let's dive into it. So before you became the master blender for Uncle Nearest, you worked for 30 years in a totally different career. Can you walk us through that life change? How you started to work with Uncle Nearest?
0: Oh, yeah. Oddly enough, the transition was fairly uh seamless. I had made up my mind that it was time for a change and Along comes the beautiful Fawn Weaver, and uh, we talk about me joining the Uncle Nears Premium Whiskey Team. I retired, I think it was on a Thursday, and started work with the team on Monday. My first big task with the brand was Director of Administration, and the primary focus would be that I would be the director over our Nearscreen Green Foundation, the foundation that was started and, and continues to serve Nears Green's college-age descendants with scholarships. And so that was my focus then. And, of course, that lasted all of about 60 days before I was tapped to uh, blend the first batch of Uncle Nears 1884 small batch. While it's totally different areas of work, The transition was just smooth, you know, more than I could have anticipated. Can you just take a step
1: back and sort of walk us through the relationship of of you to Uncle Nearest, the family connection, just so we're we're all on the same
0: page? Sure, sure. So Nearest Green, the first known African American master distiller, is my great-great-grandfather. His granddaughter. Annie Bell Green Edie is my grandmother. I am a fifth generation descendant.
2: What I love about your story is you did something for so long and then went into a continuation of, of a family business of sorts. When you were growing up and you go into law enforcement, did you ever think you'd be doing
0: this one day? Oh, no. I, I, I never considered it as a grown female. I've always enjoyed a good glass of whiskey. But no, I never dreamed that I would be in this role. Now, I knew what my great-great-grandfather's relationship was to a young Jack Daniel and what his contribution was to, to his brand, to the Jack Daniel brand. But uh, I never dreamed or even had a consideration that I, too, would work along those same lines one day. So... When you switch careers,
2: I mean, you were really far along. You had retired from one. Did it feel like a pivot or or did it feel like this is totally new and and it's a
0: challenge? You know, I had a lot of emotions. granted, I had met a lot of the team before uh taking an official role, of course, Fawn and her awesome husband Keith, and several of the team members out in the field. I had met them had had the opportunity to spend some time with them. So oddly enough, (laughs) it felt like home. Definitely, I had to pivot from one stream of, of concentration to another, but it felt like home. What is the most transferable
1: skill that you brought with you from law enforcement?
0: The attention to detail. It was very important to make sure that every T was crossed, every I dotted, you know, that Nothing went unmissed, overlooked while I was overseeing, supervising the team that I, I I did when I was in my previous career. And that attention to detail is still important now. We put out a premium product on the market. So it's very important that we continue to reach that bar with every batch that we put out, with every drop that we put in the bottle. And so attention to detail is very important now, just like it was then. I'm listening
1: to you and I'm like, what would it be like after, you know, i been doing the skim for 10 years, let alone 30 years. If Tomorrow, I had to take on a big job in a completely different field. I would be like so nauseous with nerves and, you know, I have a really good attention to detail, but I would be panicked. Walk us through just like for those that are listening that are, are contemplating making a career pivot and maybe feeling like, you know, I only know how to do this one thing. And if this is like totally out of left field, like I'm not going to do that. No, it's not going to be my thing. What's your approach to taking on something in a totally new field?
0: Well, you know, I I am not going to pretend to be Superwoman. I am not her. Naturally, I had some nerves, but I did not have any hesitation. And, and, And of course, with my yes came the opportunity to continue my family's legacy. And so naturally, it's probably a little bit different. Than someone else who may be starting a whole new career, so uh the opportunity to continue my great great grandfather's legacy was one that i I just couldn't say no to, and then around a group of people, the team that I was coming into, the confidence level that that fawn had for me and, and, and with me, it just was unmatched. So I, I think it, it depends on the, the team or, or the people that you are going to be working alongside and being totally dedicated to what you're about to do. I knew that when I joined the team, that my past life, as far as my career, that that's exactly what it would be. I am very grateful for all those years that I spent working in in the law enforcement community. For the majority of my tenure there, more than 21 years, I had the great opportunity to supervise and lead a group of very talented analysts. So through those years, we grew together, I matured, and I brought that maturity with me when I left. And so I knew that I was leaving that, not looking back, that I was taking on something else and had to just kind of pick up the armor of being fearless and just jumping, jumping all in. So I would say to someone, if they asked me, what advice would I give? And that is being totally in focus to what you are about to do, not looking back, being totally dedicated to this new role, this new adventure, this new chapter, and being fearless in going about how you're going to do it. So I'm putting myself in your
1: shoes and you've got kind of two things on your shoulders. One is you're entering a career later in life that you haven't had a, as much experience in and, and are learning the ropes in a completely different industry. And on the other shoulder You've got a family business that's generational now that you've got to make sure stays alive and that you carry this legacy forward. How do you carve out the freedom for thought, for like your creativity to come through and to sort of put those pressures to the side?
0: Well, I don't feel, feel pressured. I do feel a great sense of responsibility. And, and with that, comes a lot of pride as well. Again, Uncle Nears puts out a premium product. And so even before I blended that first batch, we were a premium whiskey, right? And so not having done that before, there was a lot of anxiousness about, can I really do this? You know, can I meet the standard that this brand has become accustomed to and that the whiskey family has become a, accustomed to the consumers. And so again, Fawn Weaver was confident in my abilities. I don't know if the lady saw something I didn't see, but the de- the first day I went in to blend that first batch, I was nervous, it, it, extremely nervous that day. I hadn't done anything like that before. Now. When I joined the team, I started studying the language, the, you know, the definitions of what things meant in the spirits industry. The thought then was I need to know these things just so I can have an intelligent conversation with my counterparts, with other people out in the industry, not knowing that just 60 days later, I would be asked to blend 1884 small batch. But again, with Fawn leading the way and extending this great confidence uh, in my abilities and then being surrounded by uh, nothing but encouragement and positive energy from my teammates who were in that room with me that day. The nerves soon subsided and the ultimate decision about what was gonna be in the bottle was left to me and I made the right decision and I have continued to do so since that first day. It's kind of hard to explain other than to say, and and again, not to sound like a broken record or to quote cliches, but whiskey truly is in my blood. What I've been able to accomplish within such a short period of time has never been done before. And it certainly has not been done by anyone that wasn't in the spirits industry with a stream of experience for years. So I just believe, embrace, and acknowledge that what my great-great-grandfather possessed in regards to the skills of making whiskey, I too have those skills and capabilities as well. What are you most proud of in, in your career so far? Oh my goodness. Every day, you know, it's different for us at Uncle Nearest. One of the things that comes to mind right off is our distillery. I am extremely proud of what we're doing and I get emotional about it. I don't know why, oh. but it's, it's home. We have a home for our brand and Near never made whiskey on that property. But every time I drive onto the campus of Uncle Nearest, you know, of Near Screen Distillery, it just feels like home, and I'm grateful that every weekend we have sold out tours and we get to share this beautiful history with people from around the world. and i'm I'm just extremely proud of what we're doing there at the distillery.
2: I love that answer. You've talked a lot about the concept of home. You've talked a lot about your team. You're the first black female master blender in in the whiskey industry. I'm guessing that's not easy, especially for someone like you who said, you know, it's not like you grew up blending, but it is in your blood. Also, you work at a company where the executive team is all women.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? It's very cool. So cool.
2: How do you feel like that has given that I would guess the spirits industry is not made up of a, a lot of all women executive teams? How has it been helpful in creating a place where, you know, just describing it leads to such a kind of like visceral feeling.
0: Again, it was one of those things in regards to building an all-female executive team. Fawn selected those women who best fit the position and happen to be all females. And now that we are here with the first and I think the only all-female executive team, I I just, I enjoy it every day working alongside these talented women. They're very creative and they're all dedicated. We have this beautiful family that we have created. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I think now we have become the, the example of what women can do in the spirits industry. Our chief business officer, Katherine Jerkins, she is one hell of a businesswoman. What she has been able to achieve along with, with our team is remarkable. We're in all 50 states, 12 countries, and we're not five years old yet. And that was accomplished two years in, which is just, it's crazy. It's amazing. But that's the kind of people that I have the the honor of working alongside every day. I think we have set the the bar as to what an all-female executive team looks like, what it looks like when females are leading the fastest growing American spirit in history, and what we can do, not when given a chance, but sometimes having to make your own opportunity.
1: I want to read a listener question that I I really love. And this is from Judy. And Judy wants to know, how did you give yourself grace as you learned new skills in your new role? I think a lot of women tend to be hard on themselves and aren't patient with themselves when they learn something new.
0: Again, you know, I'm no superwoman with all the awards and accolades. Sometimes it can look easy, but I work hard. I, I am a continuous student of my craft, in spite of the beautiful awards and uh, that I've won that I'm so grateful for. I continue to be a student, you know, protecting my palate, taking sensory tests, reading, reaching out to others who are in the field. And I wouldn't say that I'm not hard on myself. I, I really want to be the best that I can possibly be. But I don't pressure myself in thinking that I have to be the master blender again next year. You know, I I haven't set that type of bar for myself. I just go about doing what I know to do to the best of my ability and continuing to be open to learn. And when I do make a mistake, I leave that mistake where it is and focus on moving forward. Great advice.
1: Victoria, who else should we have on the show?
0: Oh, my God. You've already had fun. We did. She recommended you. Okay, you've had fun. I think you would have a great conversation with Catherine Jerkins, our chief business officer. She is you're talking about from my team, right? Anyone. Who who you should have. have Anyone. Anyone. Well, there are other women in the industry who are making great strides. I think when it comes to diversity and inclusion, Victoria Russell with Beam Centauria is, is very knowledgeable, smart. I think that Tiffany Berrier, who is one hell of a mixologist, uh, she's an African American female who is making her own mark in the spirits industry. I think she would make a great guest. Well, you are making um, me
2: very excited for after I have this baby to, to go get some whiskey. Victoria, thank you so much. And congratulations on everything oh, thank that you. you've done. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of 9 to 5-ish with The Skim. A new episode will be
1: in your feed again next Wednesday. In the meantime, check out our news podcast, Skim This. Every Thursday, we cover what you need to know each week in 30 minutes or less. And we've also got another podcast,
2: Pop Cultured with the Skin, where each week we're covering the pop culture moment everyone's talking about. New episodes drop every Tuesday.